0: Um, I'm going to ask the, uh, the singers to come up. They're in good voice. I can vouch for it. Does anybody know what the word Hosanna means? You're close. Anybody? No, no, in, in Hebrew, Hosanna means save us now, that's what it means, and that's what they were shouting when Jesus came in to, to Jerusalem, right, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, save us now, well, we're going to open with that, would you stand, please.
1: When we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away, washed away. we see you we find strength strength to face the day in your presence all our fears are washed away, away washed away Day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away.
0: Good singing, huh? You know, as we uh, uh, come to the responsive reading today, this should sound familiar to you because uh, uh, in Psalm 118, uh, we're looking at uh, a a praise psalm. In fact, from Psalm 113 to 118, they're called the, the Hillel Psalms. Now, I asked you what Hosanna meant, right? It meant save us now. Anybody know what hallelujah means? Praise the Lord. So the Hillel Psalms are Psalms that are meant to praise the Lord. But look at the wording here as we read this together. This is Psalm 118, uh, 25 to 29. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is good. Is God He has made his light shine on us with burrows in our hand, join in festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Isn't that great? You catch some of the nuances in there because I think the people who greeted Jesus uh, into Jerusalem were familiar with this psalm. And some of the words come directly from, from this psalm. Listen, it is my opinion that we need to, in the Church of North America, we need to exalt Jesus. We need to lift up him, not us, but him, because we have a a terribly needy world that needs Jesus. And you know, uh, as we get closer to Sunday, or Good Friday, I should say, when, when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, that was for the whole world to see. He's our savior. And so as, as we come into Holy Week, my, my, uh, my prayer for all of us is that we, we would slow down, meditate on these things. This is the week that changed history. It changed not only history, but it changed the world. And as you well know, here in the Northeast and in many parts of our country, uh, it is not, Christianity's not real popular these days, which means the author of Christianity, Jesus, is not real popular. When I was a kid, in the ancient days, We yeah amen okay. We had to. uh, Medicines didn't taste as well as they could they do now, right? And I was prone to tonsillitis and you know sore throats and all, so the doctor you know gave us a liquid uh, antibiotic. It tasted horrible, and I didn't want it. But my mother would say to me. Take it, it's gonna make you better. Take it, it's gonna make you better. And the problem that the churches face, especially here in the Northeast, is that the, you know, a Bible-believing church, a church like ours or Fuji's or any other churches that is uh, faithful to the gospel, we have the remedy for a terminal disease And that terminal disease is sin. And Jesus trusted us with the remedy to say to people, there's hope. There's forgiveness. There's new life in him. And that's what Easter is all about. I'm sorry to say to you it's not about the Easter bunny, uh, you know, or the candy, as much as we may like that. Um, But it's about new life in Christ. And when... Just like Christmas, we've lost it. We, you know, as a culture, it's all about the Easter bunny. It's all about, you know, um, Easter egg hunts and and all of that. Nothing wrong with having fun, but no, it's it's not all of that. It's Jesus, risen from the dead. So as we pray, I really feel a need to pray for our country today. Um, We need a revival. We need to come back to what God says is best for us. And that can only happen with revival in the church or spiritual awakening in the country. So that's what I want to pray for uh, today. Uh, let me give you some good news. Uh, Lord willing, uh, you know, is gonna try to be with us next week uh, for the Easter service. And that, that'll be uh, you know, a, a good thing as, as we come together. And um, you know the other good news is that after the storm last night you were all here so we're grateful for that. I ask the men who are or the whoever's going to help with the offering today would you come forward and we'll pray. Let's pray. Father, as we celebrate Jesus coming and proclaiming himself as king, the king of peace. Father, I pray for our country. There's so much violence, mass shootings, violence between members of families, violence for innocent bystanders who just walk down the street and get attacked. Seems like everywhere we looked is violence. People speaking words of hate and venom. Father, we need Jesus. We need revival in your churches and we need a spiritual awakening in our country because Jesus is the only one who could bring us peace. And so, Father, as we pray for that, we give to the work of the kingdom. Would you bless the tithes and offerings and bless the giver? And, Father, help us to use that to advance the gospel for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. And all God's people said, amen. If you have your Bibles and you wanna follow along, we're going to John chapter 12. We're just looking at seven verses uh, today, but they're powerful verses. Listen to what I'm gonna say closely, all right? Everybody says they want peace. Isn't that true? Not a bad thing to aspire for peace. But theologians uh, in the ages Would always write this and I didn't quite get it Until I really started studying scriptures in depth years ago And here was the statement most theologians make as long as there's sin pride and greed and the hunger for power in this world There will never be peace Do you hear that Okay So next time, you know, you watch Miss Congeniality uh, in a, uh, you know, in a uh, beauty pageant and, you know, all the girls say, well, I want world peace. Well, here's a news bulletin. It's not going to happen until Christ comes back. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, that's a good question. And, And here's part of the problem. We define peace much differently than what the Bible says peace really is, right? In our culture, we think peace is the absence of conflict, right, if, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not throwing bombs at you, and you're not throwing bombs at me, then we're at peace. Well, not really. And I'm not advocating throwing bombs at one another, okay? But that's not biblical peace. All right? Listen, it, it goes much deeper than that. Biblical peace can only happen in and through faith of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And here's why. The moment Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden, we inherited that sin nature. We're rebels. We are the ones who declared war on God. Isn't that true? We declared war. And, you know, if there's anything, any wisdom that I I can tell you over the years that I've learned, sometimes the hard way, don't ever declare war against God because you ain't going to win. Well, Jesus came, as you well know, and the Father sent the Son to end the war. Now, let me repeat that. The Father sent the Son to end the war. We were the ones who were the aggressors, and yet the Father, in his grace and love, says, no, my desire is to have peace but that peace can only be attained through my son who's going to bear the punishment for your sin in your place that's why when a person puts their trust in jesus as their personal lord and savior the bible says we're we're forgiven we're forgiven of our sin past present and future And not only that, our relationship with God is restored, not because of anything we did, but all because of what Jesus did for us. The war is over. The peace treaty was signed with Jesus' blood. It's over. Biblical peace starts with a right relationship between us and God. Without that, there can never be any true peace. You know why? Simply because of this. At the cross, pride has to be dealt with, right? We have to admit humbly we're sinners and God is God. We're not. The hunger for power has to be crushed because we're saying, Lord, your Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done, not mine, on earth as it is in heaven, right? And then we're saying, Lord, forgive me. I made a mess of my life. Lord, take these ashes And make something beautiful out of them for your glory. Wow. That's the good news that Jesus was preaching and teaching. God says He doesn't want anybody to perish but have eternal life. And so He sent His Son. The problem is that the religious people of Jesus' time, along with most of the Jews, were expecting a Messiah who was different. Have you ever been at a restaurant and ordered, let's say, a a Coca-Cola? with your meal and you thought you you ordered something different And you taste it you get surprised that's happened to me. Oh, I forgot. I ordered a coke, you know, we, we forget you know, We forget things we have expectations And sometimes our expectations are out of line with what God wants The Pharisees the Sadducees the Jews all had this expectation that when the Messiah came on the scene that the Messiah was going to be a militant Messiah defeating all the enemies of Israel. That's what they expected. They ignored Isaiah 53 and the whole rest of Isaiah. Where it talks about the suffering servant who has to come to win our salvation. They ignore Daniel. A lot of the key Old Testament scriptures that point to the the Messiah. And so as Jesus is facing the cross, he wanted to provide a visual example, if you will, of the kind of king he is, the king of peace, true peace. So. Let's go through this. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, Passover festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is uh, written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead. Uh, and, and the word of that continued to spread. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this, this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Whoa. Well, you know, Jesus wanted that day to declare the truth. And he wanted to do it visually. And so, in the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, a prophecy that the king of peace will come into Jerusalem on a donkey. Donkey, by the way, was not considered a dumb animal in, in Jesus' culture. It was considered a noble beast. And it was also uh, symbolic that a king of peace would come riding into a, a town or a nation on a donkey to show that they mean no harm. A warrior king would come on a horse followed by an entourage of the prisoners and all the loot they pilfered. And Jesus said, "No, I'm not that kind of king. Not yet. I come as a king of peace." And he wanted the people to see how he comes. Huh. Well, you know, There's so much here, you know, and I don't have the time to go into it all, but uh, there are two crowds here, in case you haven't picked it up. There was a crowd from Bethany that came with Jesus to Jerusalem for the Passover, right? And there was a crowd that came out to meet him from Jerusalem, and the reason was, this guy raised somebody from the dead. Let's go see what he's going to do next. And in the process, you mix that up with a false expectation of what a king of peace is. You miss it. You miss it. And then you have the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the, you know, the the legalistic religious people. Power hungry. Greedy. To use Jesus' words, they were whitewashed. To look good on the outside, but they were rotten on the inside. They got jealous. They wanted to kill Jesus before this. Now, I want you to look at the love that Jesus has for us. Jesus was a wanted man. They wanted him dead. And... If I can put this in a a little bit more modern term vernacular, Jesus' picture was hanging in every post office in Jerusalem, right? As as a wanted man, dead or alive, but they would prefer dead, right? And in love, in love, he gets on a colt, comes into Jerusalem, the place where they want to kill him, took incredible courage because he loves us, and he comes as the king of peace. <laughs> what did the people yell when he came in? Hosanna, right? Let's go back to that. Hosanna, okay. Hosanna means save us now. But they weren't thinking about the salvation that Jesus would offer them from the cross for sin. They were thinking, save us from our enemies. Defeat Egypt. Defeat Syria. Defeat whoever is against us, Lord. Hosanna. Save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And even in their misunderstanding, they at least had the sense to recognize that he was the king of Israel but they, did, they missed the fact that he came in as the king of peace. And so did the Pharisees. The, the way that the crowd welcomed Jesus was a uh, standard protocol, by the way, for the way that uh, a conqueror would be received into a, a city. Um, when it says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Blessed is the word, makarios, uh, which in the original language means speak well of. When you're blessing somebody, you speak well of them, right? Bless, we speak well of the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Well That was Jesus. By the way, as Christians, we can bless other people, can't we? We speak well of them. Which means we should never gossip about them. It's much better to bless sincerely than it is to gossip maliciously. And you see, the Pharisees were guilty of gossip maliciously. Blessed is he who comes into the knee, uh, in the name of the Lord. You know, and Jesus comes riding on the donkey. Um, I suspect some got it maybe because if, if they were students of the word or heard the word, they will act, link up the prophecy in Zechariah 9 with Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. Even his disciples didn't get it. Isn't that what it says? They were with this man who happens to be God for three years. And they didn't get it. Now listen, I'll go outside the text here, just for a moment, and tell you this. The men tended to be thick-headed. But the women seemed to get it. Isn't that something? The women seemed to start to put the pieces together much sooner than the men did. And as we're going to see, women play an important part in the resurrection, well, both in the death and the resurrection uh, of the Lord. But, you know, people will say to me, oh, you know, that Bible puts women down. No, it doesn't. You know why? Because Jesus lifted them up. He lifted them up. The religious leaders and the people, had wrong expectation. I want to suggest to you that many of us had wrong expectations before we came to know Jesus, didn't we? And many outside these doors have wrong expectations. And I'm not saying that as a put down. I'm saying it for this reason, that Jesus has entrusted us with the The gospel. To bring people from death to life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Well, who brings that? Jesus. You know... One of my prayers has been for a long time now that if God sees fit that he would, he would send revival to his church and in that revival, we would, as we yield to the word, yield to the power of the spirit, we would develop a holy boldness, if you will, to in love Share Christ with others who need it in love that doesn't mean beating them over the head with scriptures it doesn't mean um, you know uh, talking down to them, and it especially doesn 't mean holier than thou because the fact of the matter is I'm the wretched sinner, the only difference is is that Christ died for my sin, and my sin's forgiven ne- let us never forget from where we came. Otherwise, we, we lose the humility, if I can put it that way, of, of the fact that Jesus gave us a gift we don't deserve. That's grace. A gift we don't deserve. Because if we take that small step into self-righteousness, thinking that we're all that, that we're holier than thou, then what's going to happen is we are no better than the Pharisees. Jesus comes in as the king of peace. Now listen. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get political here. Um, but I'm going I'm to tell you the truth. No matter how crazy our nation might get, you and I still could have peace. I'm not saying that we should be happy about it. What I'm saying is no matter what happens, we have peace because the war is over between us and God. Our problem is we want instant results, don't we? Lord, I'm, I'm bringing this to prayer. Lord, this, you should have done this yesterday. But I'm willing to wait till today. Yeah, how arrogant we can be, right? Now, Lord, Here's the burden of my heart. Lord, show me what to do in the meantime. Well, you know, Mark Twain once said, he married his daughter of a preacher, by the way. And one of his biggest regrets in life, this is from his memoirs, was that he pulled the daughter away from her faith. And in an interview, Twain said this to to the uh, interviewer. It's not what I read in the Bible that I don't understand that bothers me. He says, what bothers me the most is what I read in the Bible and I do understand. And you know what he was referring to? That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The gospel is so plain that a child can understand it. And yet Twain says that's what bothers him the most. Well, doesn't that make sense? Because here you have this, these great crowds in Jerusalem who should have by now got it, at least as disciples, and then you have the religious experts who should have known better. Huh. And they missed it. They missed it. Listen, years ago Dion Warwick wrote a song for those of you who are ancient like me. <laughs> what the world needs now is love. Exactly. They only got that half right. Mm-hmm. What the world needs now is Jesus. Jesus love because it's only through the personal work of Jesus Christ that you and I can have peace with God no matter if the sky's falling no matter who's in Washington DC no matter what's going on around us and here's what Jesus says Jesus says for those who the Father has given me no one Not anyone can take them away from me. See, once you ask Christ to come into your heart, admit that we're a sinner, and that we want to turn away from our sin and turn to Him in faith and acknowledge Jesus as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Creator and put ourselves in submission to him and his word and live in the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing that can defeat us because we are secure in Christ. I'm hoping and praying that our world will know that Christ is the king of peace. Because Jesus is the only one who can break a person's pride. Jesus is the only one who can change a person's heart. Laws can't, politicians can't. uh, And you know, we put so much faith into, into man and yet we shove Jesus away. But if you want true peace, His name is Jesus. I can't emphasize this enough. I mean, I I am concerned about what's going on in our world, in our country. I'm concerned what's going on in our churches, you know? And I I get concerned and I bring it to God in prayer all the time. And I'm gonna have to trust him uh, to draw us out of our malaise, if you will, our complacency. Because the American church has become very comfortable. But personally, I think a day is coming where it's not gonna be very comfortable anymore. And all we're gonna have is Jesus. So our goal today is to worship the king. To worship the king. Because first he comes as the king of peace, but when he comes back again, He's coming back as the warrior king. He's coming back to make all things right. He's coming back to judge evil. He's coming back to take us with him. And that for those of us who know Christ, something incredible is going to happen. We're going to rule with him. I can't even imagine that. Can you? But it's going to be a great and terrible day. That's what the scripture says. The reason why it's going to be great is because our king is coming. And the reason why it's going to be terrible is it's going to be terrible for those who have forsaken Christ. In the meantime, you and I are commissioned to go out into our worlds and make disciples, teaching them all that Jesus has taught us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's called evangelism. But we do it with love, we do it with compassion, and we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. But Pastor, I don't know all the scriptures. You don't have to know all the scriptures. I've had like a hundred years of official training and I still don't know all the scriptures. You don't need to. The Spirit will give you the right words because sometimes all you have to say is, you know, I know what you're going through. I was there. I know what you're going through. But I want to introduce you to the Savior who gave me hope, not only gave me hope, who went to the cross in my place to pay for all my rebellion against him and how he has set me free to obey him sometimes that's all you have to say God help us in our silence because he entrusted us with the greatest news in the universe that Jesus right now is the king of peace But he will come back as the warrior who judges and makes all things right. Amen. Mm -hmm. So why don't we worship the king and ask our singers to come back up. As we look forward to Holy Week, you know, please, if you can make any of the round tables, it would be well worth it. And uh, if not, we broadcast them, so you can look at them later that day. Um, And I think you greatly profit from it. But let us never forget the King of Peace. Would you stand, please? One of the typical typical benedictions is very simple. Go in peace, right? Absolutely can go in peace if the Lord is in your heart. We can depart in peace and that's my prayer for all of us. Enjoy the Palm Sunday, enjoy the sun, enjoy the nice weather, take part in whatever you can through the services, through the week and um, we'll come back rejoicing and the victory of the savior from the grave, amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to rejoice. Thank you for the king of peace. Thank you that no one, not even angels, not even demons, not even death can separate us from the love of Christ. And Father, help us to go into peace of knowing that we've been forgiven, that we have new life in Christ, and that we have new purpose. And Father, we'll give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. God bless. Have a great day.